This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Hanif Baharuddin, and you're tuned into the show that explores the narratives of historical landmarks and places in the Klang Valley. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Dataran Merdeka. Despite doing this monthly segment for years now, we have not actually spoken about the iconic Dataran Merdeka, the huge field that sits in front of the Sultan Abdul Samad building. So joining us as always to chronicle its history and how it has evolved is our resident heritage conservation expert, Elizabeth Cardosa. Take it away. It's surrounded very much in a public precinct in that insofar as, you know, it's surrounded by institutional buildings. Some of them are private, but, you know, they're all generally speaking institutional. The Sultan Summer Building, of course, you know, as now under the care of the Ministry of Culture and Tourism and Culture, um, is still being used. Um, the uh, partly used, I think. You know, the old City Hall DBKL building. Well, we've spoken about that building before. Um, is very much, I think, very underused. Lies only part of it. The the town hall itself, you know, is occasionally used for performance. Uh, the survey office just at the end of that. I'm just talking about one side of the street of General Raja, right? Uh, is is a is uh, has been left vacant for a long time and is quite dilapidated. Um, and but next to the Sultan Summit building on, on the other side is the former GPO, uh, which uh, Jabantan Warisan uh, Nagara have offices. So that's used uh, as office. And then and then you have the Padang in the, in the middle and the police above you. So, I mean, what what is that? It was a parade ground. It No, actually, if you go back further in time, it was a vegetable patch. I mean, you know, it's where, where people... Um, the, the so-called natives, the locals, uh, you know, had um, uh, grew vegetables on them, you know, to when, when Kuala Lumpur was first a tiny little trading post. And um, it was on the other side of the river. It was on the edge of town. We think of it as very central, right? But imagine that the town was really um, what, what is now uh, the old town, which is on on the, the the bank on the opposite bank of the Klang River, if you want to think about it in that in that way, um, you know where the Klang and the Gombak River meets, and and you have Masjid Jamik, what is now Masjid Jamik in in the middle of it, uh, placed at the confluence. On one side would have been the residential commercial area. And on the other side uh, was farms. And then when the British administration moved, uh, you know, and set up KL as its center, as its capital, so to speak, as administrative capital, um, the they took over that side of the river and the bank of the river and... Um, then built all the institutional buildings like the Sultan the Summit building on, on that side of the river and turned the vegetable patch or garden of, you know, vegetable farms uh, into an open parade ground. 
So, you know, you had a, a flat piece of land, uh, which um, you could um, show off your and parade. And we still parade there nowadays. Not every, but, you know, for a long time, it was every year. Uh, the 31st um, August celebrations were held there. So it's still a parade ground. And so in a sense, if you think about it, you know, there is a continuity of, of usage from 150 years ago to today. Mm. But I assume last time people actually parade on the field, right? Whereas now they don't? Yeah, people parade on the field. No, you know, I mean, I don't know whether you watched uh, last year's uh, Merdeka celebrations. There was quite a lot of activity on the field. The, the march pass goes along the road. But all the performance and the, uh, I don't know, you know, the calisthenics and uh, sort of the formations, the, the patterns and things like that, that all happens on the Padang itself. And I suppose, you know, when you call it the Padang, I mean, people, as you said, you know, most people now don't know it as the Padang. They would know it as Dataran Merdeka. So so it was literally called the Padang last time. Yeah, it was called the parade ground or the Padang. Everybody referred to it as Padang. I mean, I think that, that when I grew up, it was the Padang. People just referred to it as the Padang, you know. And it was a recreational space. In the not so distant past, uh, even even from the beginning, you know, if yeah, you you parade there, you know, you you bring your police and your armed forces, and you want to demonstrate uh, a, a show and tell, I suppose, of 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 power and control and authority. Uh, so you do your parade there, but uh, that's how often is that, right? And. Um, it's not every hour on the hour, that kind of thing. And so the grounds are left. And on one side of the grounds, if you think about it, in the early, in the late 1800s, when the government offices were at the Sultan Abdul Samad building site, the Selangor Club was on the opposite side of the Padang. And uh, you, and in between, uh, the the field itself was used as a recreational space for sports, so very much it was used for cricket. I mean, you you see photos of of cricket being played on the grounds, and I think cricket was played there definitely through to the late nineteen eighties, before Dataran Merdeka popped up, so to speak, when they uh, built the underground car park raised the field a little bit, uh, the, the level of the field. Um, and um, the Selangor Club, which used to have um, managed a lot of the sporting facilities on the Padang, uh, moved their sporting activities to the their club, which they had built um, and the end of sports facilities, a sports part of the club to um, field sports to Bukit Kiara, opposite Intan. So it's, it really is the, it's in a sense, you know, an icon. You want to talk about open public space, 
uh, a space which is very democratic in the sense uh, because it's meant for general public access and use. It is, um, you don't, you, you're not, it wasn't where, you know, a guarded community, you know, wasn't a fenced up space originally. It People used to cross it and, and you read accounts in the Slango Journal, for example, in the 1890s, 1880s and 1890s, I think 1890s, when there were complaints about um, people trekking, making, creating a path uh, because they were going between the Sultan Summit building side of, of the street and the Slango Club, and they would just, you know, cross the field. And so if everybody uses the same path, it um, you ruin the grass or you, you damp it down and it becomes um, like threadbare, you know, brown, and it becomes like a little path. And so, you know, that there were, it meant that people who wanted to play games on it, you would, it, your field was spoiled. So you had uh, cricket in the middle, uh, there was football, uh, there was hockey, field hockey. There was rugby. Uh, there was lawn tennis. That all of these sports were played on those grounds, um, and that was managed uh, by the Slango Club, the Royal Slango Club. Um, DBKL City Hall also owned, I think, the land. But um, you know, the management of the sports activities. I think there was some kind of agreement between the Slango Club and, and City Hall um, for its use. So, and then, of course, there were the parades and there were other activities. And for many years, um, you know, we would always have the big tourism festivals and Chitrawarna and a lot of these kind of big celebrations were done there because I think it really was to make use of or to, to leverage on the the monumentality of the Sultan Summit building, you know, the, the grandeur, the icon that, that you see, the very, very, you know, the big, the beautiful, uh, the impressive uh, Sultan Abdul Summit building and the buildings in the vicinity around uh, the Padang on all four sides. Mm. I have a weird question of sorts. Um, do we know whether the grass? I know did they plant like a special type of a grass? I suppose there, or is it just like a normal? Grass? Oh, oh, oh! You mean now? Yeah, maybe now. Yeah. Now, I I don't know what grass they have planted, but I know that occasionally, every time there's a big festival uh, or you know when the grounds are covered because there is you know a merdeka parade or a um, an expo or something like that happening there and the grass because it's covered uh, gets ruined and then it costs hundreds of thousands of ringgit to rehabilitate and to replace so I don't know what kind of grass they use there but I do know that in terms of the sporting facilities um, when the Selengo Club uh, had to move its cricket pitch away from the Padang to its premises, its new grounds at uh, Moncara, 
they actually uh, harvested, if you want, I, I'm not sure the, the term is correct, but they they took away as much of the turf as they could um, because that was the special turf for the, especially um, the, 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 the pitch in the middle where the cricket, uh, you know, uh, where the wicket was. And um, they took that um, and they brought it and they used that to build and to develop the new the new pitch over at Montcara. So the grass, the original turf at the Selengo, at the Padang, uh, lives on in 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 Montcara, which I think is kind of a nice little story. That was our resident heritage conservation expert, Elizabeth Cardosa, talking about Datara Merdeka. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharudin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharudin. Joining me on the show today is heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa, and we've been talking about Datara Merdeka. We focused mostly on the field itself earlier, and now we're going to talk about the other monuments that surround the field, starting with the tall flagpole at the edge of it. When they built uh, Datara Merdeka, um, as you know, with the, with the underground car park, they also built. Uh, shops and and other you know commercial facilities underneath, and on top of which they placed the flagpole, which was at that time I think what the third tallest. In, don't know where, don't know where, or the tallest in Southeast Asia, or you know we we love our monuments, right? The, the biggest, the tallest, the grandest, the most beautiful, the largest flag, you know, um, and uh, it is raised on a plinth. Uh, and around it, actually, you you have um, some light openings, which does let light into um, the basement. Some light, filtered light, going into the basement through uh, around from around the uh, flagpole. But yes, it is a very grand flagpole. It's it's and the flag is huge. And um, once in a while, there is a complaint about oh, the flag is looking a bit ragged um, because it's been buffeted around by the wind and then, you know, it's changed and then we, we're all very happy again because it all looks very beautiful and in and whenever it is um, windy, you know, it, it's really quite gorgeous um, and looks very impressive, right? But you don't only have the flagpole. I think that's new. You also have uh, three, uh, well, flagpoles around the edge of the perimeter of the the Padang on uh, Jalan Raja, along Jalan Raja on the side of the Sultan Abdul Samad building, well, opposite the Sultan Abdul Samad building. And they also, you know, City Hall puts up flags there all the time for celebration, City Day and National Day and, you know, visitors and whoever. And it can be quite Maria and Churia, right? Um, but in the middle of all of this, opposite the clock tower, there are three flagpoles, and they are representative of um, the flagpole where the 
British flag was lowered in uh, 1957 on August, the, well, at the stroke of midnight on um, August 31st, 30th, 31st, at the stroke of midnight on the 31st, and the Malayan flag was raised. So in commemoration of that uh, raising of the flagpole, you have this patch, um, which is on the National Heritage List and gazetted as a monument in memory of that event. Uh, so, you know, most people kind of like don't know it or don't see it, uh, but it's there. The, the thing, though, is that actually it isn't in the place of the original flagpole because the street's been widened tremendously and so i would say probably the 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 exact location would be somewhere in the middle of the road so um you know it would be nice to see a marker i don't know you know uh some recognition of where the original placement was well of course you can't have flagpoles there now because the street um and and the traffic that's going by but it would be you know uh interesting to see a marker placed where the original um, location was. But yeah, so you have that. You have the Selangor Club, as I mentioned, on the one side. You have uh, a Sinaris Cathedral, which is the Anglican Church, um, at one end. And at the other, at one, at one side. Um, and you have on the other side, the Kale Memorial Library. Uh, which was, which is a new building. Uh, well, it's made up, it's a complex of two buildings now. Uh, it was made, it's one, one of which is brand new. Uh, well, not so brand new, um, several years old, maybe, but new compared to the ensemble of other buildings around. Um, and the, and the little building that's behind the Slango Club, uh, which was the, original um, Selangor Library, um, and it was the children's library for a long time. Um, and that was built, I think, in the 1930s, 1940s as a library. Um, and that's been taken over by the Kale Memorial Library, the Kale Library, Propustakat Kuala Lumpur. Um, so you have those institutional buildings there. And you have uh, the the KL Gallery on one side, which used to be, it's housed in what used to be the printing press, the government printing press, and they had an exhibition there. Uh, and there, you know, there's a shop and you can go and have a look. And I think it's it's run by a private entity. Um, and right on the corner, uh, opposite um, the, diagonally opposite uh, the old post office is the, what was the former Standard Chartered a Bank building. So imagine a hundred years ago um, at the turn of um, the 20th century or, you know, by the 1910s, the institutions that you had surrounding the Padang was the monument, of course, that, that's a big thing, was the Sultan Abdul Summit building what we call now the Sultan Summit Building, it was the government offices then. Um, 
with its clock tower, the general post office, then it was telegraph and post, and then it became the post office when the telegraph and telephone exchange moved away and is near, is, you know, to what is closer to Bukit Nanas. Um, so it just became the, the post um, office. You had the bank, a bank there. You had the printing press. You had the recreational club, which was the Slango club. And that was limited um, to only the British or the expatriate community. But what is now, uh, what was on the site of what the, the KL Memorial Library, the KL Propusakan Palumpo is, uh, was the the recreational club, the Slango Recreational Club. And that was a sports club um, for locals, for non-expatriates, non-British. So, uh, who also used, um, you know, the football facilities and other facilities on the field. They didn't take cricket, but they, they did this, you know, hockey and football and other things on, on the field. Of course, that was in the days before independence, yeah, after independence, you know, things became democratized and we didn't have to worry about um, separation between uh, colors, yeah, uh, skin color to skin tone. Um, then you had uh, alongside there on what the other end, uh, you had the city hall office and, and, the, and the survey office. So again, you know, major institutions for governing and for planning and for administering um, the city of, well, the town of Kuala Lumpur. Uh, and on one side, and then just directly opposite it uh, was the North Goods Yard, um, which was the end of, of the railway um, setting, which came directly into town uh, for for cargo and for goods. And what it what is now where the National Textile Museum, what the National Textile Museum now houses, is housed in. Oh, used to be um, the railway building, and then uh, it became the Public Works Department building. So, you know, really very much uh, imagine, you know, an institutional government administrative type of an enclave. And if you think about Putrajaya now, uh, as an administrative enclave, this was what it was. This was what much smaller, but it would have been pretty monumental of its time if you think about it in those terms, you know. Mm. Going back to the flagpole area, I don't know which site. There is also the Cops Fountain, which was built in the late eighties, the late eighteen hundreds. Eighteen hundred, eighteen, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, the fountain. Um, it's there on on the corner between opposite uh, the former Sandy Children Building, back building. Um, it has been changed a little. I mean, it's been raised. It's not in its original location, but uh, yeah, it's still around. And it was, as some people will say, it was a horse trough. You know, it was a fountain. Uh, and water, and um, you could feed little horses in those days. 
uh, you know, the horses could go and drink water from it. Very beautiful Victorian fountain, nevertheless. Um, you know, uh, it, it wasn't meant for bathing or anything, but it was a decorative element, certainly. And and then you had all the big trees. I don't know whether you, you knew KL then, but there were huge trees surrounding the Padang, uh, many of which have now disappeared. Almost all of which have now disappeared, been cut down, which is a sad thing. Not all, but a lot of them. And then on the St. Mary side, you, you might actually directly opposite the flagpole on the other side of the field um, is another, uh, uh, you know, plaza area which has fountains as well, water features. Um, and that's where the public toilets and all that are, are, are located. Mm. Um, going back to, I guess, um, how it was at one point, like you said, um, um our administrative capital, right? At one point, it was our. Well, it it served as a it was a civic it was a civic area, right? I mm. mean, for 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 civic administration, yeah. uh, except for the police up the hill. Mm. <laughs> but it was you know for civic administration, it was office, government offices. So you would have uh, treasury, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You would have, uh, you know, the the. The secretary, the 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 residence office, the state, well not the residence office. His office was along the corner, a little bit down uh, behind what is now Bank Nagara. But you had the administration, right? The city hall, the uh, the survey department, the sanitary board, which is what the, the previous, uh, the earlier incarnation of DBKL was the KL sanitary board. Um, that looked at governing the place, you know, planning and regulating its its well-being of the, not just the city, but also the well-being of the people of the city and the infrastructure development, etc. And all of that was housed around, around that area. So, yes, it was a civic administration's enclave, if you want to put it that way. Not commercial, not commercial. Yeah. Um, do we have other padangs in KL that's of that nature? The one I can think of off the top of my head is Padang Merbo, but I don't know whether, you know, in terms of its monumentality, it's, you know, it can be compared. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, it, it's, you know, I think Padang Merbo, um, you know, very much people, well, you know, because they used to have the Merbo um, birds, yeah. Uh, do the competition there as well, um, and uh, it, it was used as a sports facility, but it didn't have that the the nature of the parade ground, you know, the I suppose the celebration of um, the, this this manifestation of big celebrations, um, major celebrations being held there, uh, which the Dataran Merdeka has. There are many, many padang around the place uh, which belong to neighborhoods. Um, in Brickfields, many years ago, it's now gone, there was a public padang uh, which uh, the, the 
people of Brickfields used to, you know, go and play football and do other, you know, all sorts of recreational activities. On so we think about it in um, next to Pudu Jail, there's there was a big open space uh, where again uh, people were used to activities, you know, recreational activities, open sports, healthy lifestyle, that kind of thing, without really thinking about it in in in, in those big terms. Um, before Stadium Verdeca came up, uh, that area was the uh, Coronation Park, was, um, and then that was an open recreational ground as well. So, you know, Kuala Lumpur, I think, most neighborhoods, even today, have padang, right? Even if it's a playground or whatever. So you do have these common spaces. But I think the Dataran Merdeka, that was kind of, that was premier. <laughs> because, of, because of its location, because of, you know, how it functioned, how it was used for occasion, for official occasion, and, and, it was a grand, grand space in the in that in that way, and it was central to the city. Uh, you know, so very much seen and recognized and celebrated, and surrounded by government offices. So you know, very easy, right? You know, I work here, I play here, next door to each other. You know, it, it it's a it's a good, um, what do you call it? It's it's a good model. You don't have to drive far away or go to your gym far away or go to a public park far away. You know, it was right there. Correct, yeah. But what I like about Dataran Merdeka is that apart from, I guess, yeah, being being that that monument in terms of its location and how it's close to a lot of government offices, um, people also see it as as a place where, especially civic movements, you know, see it as a place to gather, right? And and I guess the symbolic <laughs> yes. element of, of Dataran Merdeka has, I don't know yes. if it's evolved, but it has become that a lot more especially for the people right yes yeah it's sort of symbolic of um democracy isn't it you know it's become a, a space where um you where where the expression of of a democratic um an expression of our sense of what we believe is is freedom and democracy and a public space where we can express ourselves as a people, as a nation, as as, as citizens, uh, it certainly uh, become very much representative of that. And, and I suppose um, maybe because of that, there's also a certain amount of control that has in the last 30, 40 years been placed on it. Uh, in terms of how it can be used, um, because there are other restrictions on public gatherings. But you know, if if you think about it, um, in the days when there were fireworks and there was the New Year's Eve celebration or New Year's celebration, the Padang was always one of those places where you would people would gather to watch and to celebrate collectively. As hair lights, you know, as as people as as people who live in the Klang Valley, 
are coming together, even if you don't know, um, it, it wasn't intimate in the sense they were big bang affairs, but uh, they were very much there. The, the space was very much used um, for all manner of things. And I think that that people will remember it for that reason. You know, I think most people in KL will at some point have had some contact with it. But I will tell you that at one of the once a few years ago, I took a group of people from KL there um, on a visit, and the majority of them had never walked onto the field. Uh, they'd always been on the edge of it. And it was kind of like, um, you mean we can go to the center? You mean we can walk on the grass? Yeah, yeah, you can walk on the grass. When it wasn't, you know, because I think there were many times that there have been, and there continue to be times when there are barriers up for whatever reason. Um, so it's a no-go. It's a no-go zone. And that is kind of like almost embedded in, in the mindset of, of a lot of people who live in the Klan Valley that, oh, uh, you know, if you step on it on the grass, are you allowed to do that? You know, is it um, sanctioned? Um, and to have a look at, because... The majority of people look in onto the paddock. And I say to you, Hanif, go to the middle of the paddock and look out from the paddock. Try it. It's a, it's a different sense because your view of what you're looking at. So, for example, if you're in the middle of the field and you're looking directly at the clock tower and directly centered at the clock tower, you have a different perspective of it. Because mostly people either see it too close up um, or at an angle. So you don't, you don't, you know, you, you, your, your sense of the space is quite different. So, yeah, I'd encourage you to do that. Yeah, I would love to. But I think, like you said, I think what you said just now is pretty true. Because I think these days, especially because of the various, you know, reasons unknown, they've always had a barrier there. So <laughs> you, you always wonder yeah. whether it almost becomes like a bit of a, like, like a very... Um, so even if the barrier is not there, you're not sure. Yeah, yeah. People are not sure whether, yeah. and, and and maybe to some extent, people treat it with a bit of a reverence as well. I don't know. Maybe like okay, maybe it's a quote unquote, it's a it's a, it's a you know it's a secret place that you can't step on the grass <laughs> and everything. I don't know, but but it sometimes feels like that, right? Because people are like, okay, let's start to America, but maybe at, at least on on my end, I I feel the need to also perhaps give it that 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 deference to a certain extent that okay, maybe you shouldn't step on the grass and whatnot. I, Although that's yeah, not necessarily the case, right? Technically, you I don't, can. Actually, I don't right? think so. I don't think so because you know it isn't. It isn't. You know, the, the, from the start, I told you it started off as a vegetable garden. I mean, it was quite swampy, you know. Um, it's a hallowed ground. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, and yes, I know part of the reason why people are maybe a bit you know, steer away from it because you are a bit unsure because of various events or various activities that have been prohibited from have from happening there. Um and then seen as representative of, of certain ideologies or whatever. And so people hesitate. But if there's no barrier there, then you know, and it doesn't there's no sign that says people don't step on the grass. You know, there's no sign of that kind. You know, it might. You might just want to try it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should. I should one of these days. Yeah, it's just that I've never. 
on the moon than it it's uh, quite it's quite a walk to the middle of the field you know i mean you don't think about it you you kind of like always look at it from the edge and you think it's it's you know uh but yeah it, it's something you might want to think about doing one mm, of these days yeah definitely um so yeah just to end this conversation um i mean reflecting on it it has always been seen as as the spot that's pretty iconic in KL, right? Uh, but moving forward, do you think that, you know, especially as our relationship with the city sort of like evolves as well, do you think that, you know, our younger generation especially, would they be able to relate to it as much as we do perhaps, you know, considering, again, the nature and how sometimes, you know, the spot can be quite contentious, especially? No, no I, I think you're right. I mean, I think that one of the problems... Um, with a lot of places in 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 the world in Indonesia, definitely in KL as well, is the lack of public awareness of the history of places, and um, that you know, if we you don't know anything about them, then either you shy away or you are, you know, you uh, are need or you don't even know and therefore you don't recognize and it, it's not part of your 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 normal worldview you know you wouldn't even think about it for example and there is so much more to distract you nowadays and there are so many more public parks and the KLCC park and Titi Wangsa park and there's so and you know the lake gardens and 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 they're really you know a lot of these places are very well equipped and you can and they use, they have recreational facilities, whereas the Dataran Merdeka doesn't have any recreational facilities. It is um, a padang. It is a piece of flat ground where occasionally events take place. You know, the KL Arts Festival, and you will see performances there. You might see, uh, uh, you know, on the big screen, you might see a movie or a football match or something like that. But... Um, so they are, it becomes an event space um, as opposed to a public space. And I think maybe as Kalites, we might want to claim it back. Um, and uh, it's right in the middle of the city, uh, but it has no shade. It is, uh, in, a, in that sense, not so, not so friendly. Um, and to get to it, to walk on the grass and then to what, you know, you feel a bit aimless. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe there should be some programming of the space. Maybe there should be more public awareness um, information made available about the space. And now with things like, you know, Digital, everything is digitalized. I mean, you just stick a QR code somewhere and, uh, you know, lots of information can pop up, you know, in, in, in exciting and creative ways. I mean, there, there are different ways of presenting information, not, you don't have to read long books um, and read, you know, uh, somebody writing something, you know, from 150 years ago, which is what I tend to do. Um, you know, nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying that there are not that many people that do it anymore. And you want information in a more sort of PC way um, to to make it more exciting. So yeah, I think we need uh, a certain amount of interpretation to be made for these spaces to be made more available and accessible to us, the people of Kuala Lumpur.
off. Mm, all right. So I challenge you, yeah. Go to the go to and stand in the middle of the padang and tell me what it's like. All right. Okay. I'll do that. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. You're welcome. You've been tuning into I Love KL, and that was our resident heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa talking about the iconic Dataran Merdeka. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my/ilovekl, our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store, and you can also find this podcast on Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin, and you have been tuning into I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Stay safe and join us again next week. Only on BFM 89.9 The Business Station You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station For more stories of the same kind download the BFM app